All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today I am joined by a guest in David Walker over at the Falcoholic. He's going to be talking with us about what's going on with Calvin Ridley, as well as recapping this week eight loss that the Falcons had against the Carolina Panthers and talking a little bit about whether or not the Falcons will be uh, buyers or sellers at tomorrow's trade deadline. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at falcfans.com RIP still going strong on Twitter at falcfans putting up weekly content over at the falcoholic the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons and of course the host of this preeminent Lockdown Falcons podcast or daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network your team every day in today's episode I am going to be joined by David Walker of the falcoholic uh, a colleague of mine uh, he's also the official host of the Falcoholic podcast. Uh, he's going to be talking with us today about the Falcons disappointing week eight performance. And we'll talk a little bit about sort of the offense and defense and, you know, which side of the ball is, is deserves more blame, more criticism. We'll talk about some of the problems on the offense, but we'll, we'll put a positive spin, at least on some of the concerns on the defensive side of the ball, talking a little bit about how well AJ Terrell has been performing this year, despite all of the badness that surrounds him uh, with the Falcons defense. We'll talk a little bit about the Falcons uh, activities, potentially at this week's trade deadline, but we'll sort of start things talking more about Calvin Ridley and the fact that he's now stepping away from the team in order to deal with his mental health and, and sort of how people like us, fans of this team, how media people, I guess you could say us as quasi-media people, should be reacting to that. So we'll get DW's thoughts on that. But before we get into all of that, I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen of the day. And of course, Lockdown Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, and Spotify. And of course, now on YouTube, of course, subscribe to Locked On Falcons on YouTube. You may get the podcast a few hours earlier. It drops the audio version at midnight each and every day, but the video version on YouTube on Locked On Falcons YouTube page drops a few hours earlier than that. So definitely make sure you subscribe to us on Locked On Falcons on YouTube and give us a like, give us a comment, all those various things. So DW, with all that being said, my friend, welcome to the show. It's good to be back with you, Aaron. So DW, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show, in addition to enjoying our many frequent conversations that we've had over the years about this Falcon team and, and other subjects, is I thought, particularly yesterday, before the game, when we found out the news that Calvin Ridley was going to be inactive due to the quote-unquote personal matters that he was dealing with a couple of weeks ago, which prevented him from traveling with the team to London. And we basically later found out a, a thing that a lot of people have been speculating over the last couple of weeks that it was related to his mental health and, and his mental well-being. Um, and he's basically taking a break from football in order to, I guess you could call it, get right with that. Although that, that wordage is not always ideal when it comes to stuff like that. Um, but you, you said a lot of, I thought, eloquent things before the game about how people interact particularly with athletes and how people interact with those that are going through issues that apparently Calvin Ridley is going through and whether they choose to support or not support those people and how it affects people like Calvin Ridley that are going through those things. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious 
what do you sort of make of everything going on with Calvin Ridley? And, and what are your thoughts on sort of the reactions that you've seen from a lot of people, you know, positive or negative in regards to that? Mental health is a touchy subject, right? Um, it is something that thankfully is getting a lot more attention. I think this year we saw with Lane Johnson, right tackle for the Eagles, when he took some time away. And the timing was um, quite incredible that they had a segment with him on Fox uh, before the game, uh, which was uh, really powerful. And I think this is something that, um, you know, a lot of sports fans, uh, a lot of the football fans are fans through fantasy football or through, you know, Madden. Uh, and I think the, the thing about that is it disengages you from the fact that these are human beings uh, on the field. You know, when you're playing a video game and you think about, oh, I just need to stick this guy in because he can, you know, he's got this score, he's this fast, he w- wins well in this offense. Or if, or if it's fantasy and you're thinking about your team and you need those 25, 30 points, um, it dehumanizes these guys. And I think it's imperative on us as fans, as media, um, as people, just to take a step back. Remember, these are human beings. And, you know, further to that, a lot of times, I think we lose sight of the fact that many of these guys in the NFL, they're in their 20s. There are very few people that have their entire lives together in their early to mid-20s. And these guys are being asked to do things at the absolute highest level, week in and week out. Um, and on top of that, they are subject to immense amounts of scrutiny, um, criticism, and you know, in this world of social media, a lot of these guys are online. They're able to see a lot of this stuff. The toll that can take on somebody can be immense. And uh, bluntly, I, I, I bet there are more guys that are struggling with this in the NFL. And I'm glad. I'm glad that Calvin decided that he needed to take time. I'm glad that someone like Lane Johnson decided that he needed to take time and that he was willing to speak out about it. Because I think when it comes to mental health, we – uh, we don't talk about it enough, and especially with men. I think there's a toxic uh, opinion that men can't have issues, that uh, it is not okay to be um, you know, someone that's struggling with these things. And bluntly, um, this is what leads to further issues down the road and uh, sometimes ends in, in terrible ways. Uh, and I don't want to see that happen to Calvin Ridley. I, I, I'm frustrated that it hurt the team, but I'm not frustrated with him. You know, I don't want the team to suffer. I don't want the Falcons to lose. I don't want them to struggle. Um, But we have to separate that from what's best for the human being, Calvin Ridley. And I'll tell you, we saw a lot of toxic opinions come out about this yesterday. And uh, we have to push back against it. You know, we have to normalize that it is okay to not be okay. Uh, And I'm proud of Calvin for deciding that he needed to take this step. Um, you know, the Falcons will do what they have to do. You know, football is a business. I get that. Um, but where the man is concerned, um, he is doing the right thing, and I'm proud of him. I couldn't have said it better myself, um, you know, some of the things that you talked about. I remember when I was in my mid-20s and sort of living on my own really for the first time, that's sort of when uh, some of the issues I had to deal with from a mental health standpoint hit me. And, you know, these players, as you, as you mentioned, are under so much scrutiny and so much pressure, you know, and, and I think a lot of people, the perception for a lot of people is, well, they're getting paid millions of dollars um, and 
the idea that that's magically going to solve all their problems because I know a lot of us and me included, certainly, you know, a lot of problems in my life probably would currently get solved if someone, you know, backed up a, a Brinks truck of, of a few million dollars <laughs> at me, but it's not one, you know, the, it's been said a million times before, you know, money can't necessarily buy you happiness and yeah. we don't necessarily know the issues that are going on with Calvin Ridley right now. But as you say, I think it, it's great to see him, uh, you know, taking ownership of this um, mm-hmm. and deciding to step away from the game because that's in the best interest for him. And I'm happy to see that the team is supportive in that yes. um, and, and not, you know, sort of forcing him to be like, you know, you know what a lot of people, uh, we're saying where, you know, you got to man up or, or all these various things, as you say, that sort of toxic um, perspective when it comes particularly to men uh, with mental health. And, you know, I think in a, in a lot of ways with black men in mental health, where uh, it is even a, a bigger issue in a lot of ways. Um, so I think this is a positive thing. And I, I will say this, even though you're right, there were certainly uh, a, a lot of maybe dissenting opinions in, in terms of support for Calvin Ridley yesterday, um, you know, I, I, for the most part, it was a lot more outpouring of, of support for him, for yes. Calvin Ridley. And that's nice to see. Um, yeah. and, and certainly the, those sort of outlier opinions, I guess you could call them, uh, I, you know, I was very quick on the trigger with the block button yesterday because I just was <laughs> not in the mood for it uh, in, in a lot of ways. So, you know, that that was like, oh, okay, this is a good way I can sort of remove that toxicity from at least my eyes. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, Calvin Ridley won't also see that sort of stuff because as you said, you know, I, I think that would be not good for him um, to, you know, given what he's going through uh, to, to see those types of people that feel the compulsion to, to at somebody on social media to, to give yeah. them, you know, what's what and whatnot. And, and players have to deal with that all the time, which it, it's incredible to me that players are on social media. And I thought, it was, I thought it was interesting. You, you talk about sort of Lane Johnson. Um, and one of the things that he, he talked about in that interview and in people, you can go online and, and check it out on Fox sports or wherever. Um, but like one of the things he, he talked about was one of the first things that a lot of players do once the game is over, they go on Twitter and they search their name. And mm-hmm. DW, I know you've had some interactions with some players. I've had some interactions with some players <laughs> in, in the past for uh, saying some things out of turn. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like I need to do a better job as well. Cause often you talk about treating these players like assets, right? And a right. lot of times we talk about these players like they're assets, like they're sort of these, you know, not, not people, not human beings. And, and certainly I, I think this is a, a golden opportunity for, I think people to try to be better. And, and that, and that goes for myself and, and anybody else out there that feels like too often we, we talk about these players like they're, you know, cold, heartless machines rather mm-hmm. than human beings. Yeah. And your point about the salary, the money they're making, I've heard that. I, I saw that yesterday and you know, there's no amount of money that wipes out your humanity. There, there's no amount of money that anyone can pay you that then says that your humanity lo- no longer matters. And, um, and that, that's true for these athletes, you know, hundred million, 200 million. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't dehumanize them. And like you said, I think we can all do better, uh, in how we perceive and, and talk about these guys. And, uh, you know, you're right. And there've been times, you know, the, those hot takes can fly, you know, really, really quickly. And sometimes, um, you know, we forget that there's, there is a, a flesh and bones human being on the other side of that. 
Now, I, I will say, um, you know, I think some of our interactions have been with former Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive linemen uh, <laughs> online. Uh, that, that's how far we'll go. And, you know, I, you can get in the, in, the, in the heated of the rivalry uh, talking about some former Buccaneers offensive linemen, although I think one of those guys in your case uh, also plays for the Falcons. But uh, we'll leave it there <laughs> and we'll get more into this Falcons game. Uh, from this week in action, talking about the frustrations that we had with the Falcons on Sunday against the Panthers. But it is also frustrating that you can burn through a ton of gas and a ton of money while you're stuck in bumper to bumper traffic. And I know anybody that's listening to us right now talk that's stuck on I-85 uh, knows exactly what we're talking about. But don't fret with a new app called Get Upside. You can start saving more at the pump. And when you open an account on Get Upside, you get 25 cents back per gallon every time you fill up over time that kind of savings can start to add up with some people making as much as two to three hundred dollars a month with get upside and cash back you not only save but there's multiple cash out options you can get direct payments into your bank account with paypal you can also get amazon gift cards and more payout options available all the time and now when you open an account and use our special promo code touchdown you can get a bonus 25 cents back per gallon on your first fill up that's up to 50 cents back per gallon. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Download the free get upside app available in the app store or on Google play and use our promo code touchdown. When you sign up that's get upside promo code touchdown to start saving every time you fill up. So DW getting into this week, eight game between the Falcons and Panthers disappointing uh, loss for the Falcons. You know, it, it felt like even though the Falcons did not play a perfect performance, uh, there were still opportunities for them to find a way to win. Um, and they were unable to achieve that. Um, I guess for you, you know, some poor performances on both sides of the ball, but coming out of Sunday's game, which side of the ball were you a little bit more critical of? Was it the offense? Was it the defense? Oh, it was definitely the offense. You know, for me, I, I feel like there's enough pieces missing on the defense, particularly the defensive line, the ability to generate a pass rush, especially with Dante Fowler out, that my expectations for them are low. You know, if if you tell me going into a game they're going to hold that defense to one touchdown and force a bunch of field goals, um, with this defense, the way it's currently constructed, I feel like that's a win. Um, on any any other game, I feel like that's that's a big win. And if you look at the time of possession, I believe the Panthers had 35 minutes of uh, a little over 35 minutes. And, you know, that that's the offense. The offense has to be able to stay on the field. Um, the offense is what we consider to be the strength of this team right now uh, with the improved performance of the offensive line in recent weeks, Matt Ryan playing better, um, you know, obviously the emergence of Kyle Pitts, guys like Cordero Patterson, uh, and just across the board, they couldn't get it done. You know, 13 points. Um, and Arthur Smith was – uh, he backs us up on that. 13 points is not enough. Um, and, you know, that's I don't want to take anything away from the Carolina defense because I think the record and their recent losing streak sort of uh, gave people the wrong impression. They have some talent on that defense. Uh, and I think we may have overlooked that a good bit, uh, especially with their secondary getting uh, Gilmore back. Um, funny enough, the two guys they got back were the two guys that registered uh, interceptions in the game. Um, with uh, Stephon Gilmore and um, Shaq Thompson. I don't think that's a coincidence. They wanted those guys back for that reason. Um, but, yeah, for me, it was the offense. Um, this is a unit. This is what we brought Arthur Smith here for. We wanted an offensive-minded coach, uh, and he's, you know, he and the unit has to do better 
than uh, 13 points against uh, the Panthers, especially at home. You know, I feel bad for our fans who had to go watch that game in person because it was a stinker. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at the schedule and it was like this game, the Detroit game, were the two most winnable games that they would have at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I know technically the London game is a home game, but, um, you know, there's a good chance they might go, what, one in six uh, in in BS this year? Uh, You know, thank goodness for Dan Campbell being on the schedule because other than that, (laughs) they they might go winless there. But uh, on the the note of the offense, and I agree with you, the offense was the bigger concern just given the expectations – on that side of the ball, but what was the bigger concern for you with the offense with some of the major issues that they faced? Was it the offensive line's regression after, you know, a rough start to the season and seeming progress every single week, these last couple of weeks, and then struggling as much as they did uh, to protect Matt Ryan um, uh, on Sunday, or was it, the other issue that had been plaguing this team until Kyle Pitts' emergence these last couple of weeks uh, was it the lack of production from the receiving group. Uh, what was the yeah. bigger concern for you? Yeah, you know, I feel like the, the offensive line is going to be prone to some ups and downs this year. Um, with two young guys in the middle, uh, I, I've liked the progression we've seen. I, I still – I've been very cautious in not calling them a good offensive line. I feel like they've been good enough with Matt Ryan to where – They've given him enough time the past several games uh, to be able to throw down the field. But for me, it's, it's the wide receiver core. Um, you know, Russell Gage, you know, the guy that uh, had over 700 yards receiving last year, has been invisible, completely invisible this year. And for me, the question is, is it uh, what Arthur Smith is trying to do uh, with Gage? Is he not finding the right looks for him? Um, it, guys like Hayden Hurst aren't, you know, producing much at all. Uh, we did see Tajay Sharp step up a little bit. I was glad to see that. But I think the depth at wide receiver, which we sort of knew was pretty poor going into the season, um, what concerns me there is uh, I don't think we're going to face uh, a top five pass rush every single week. Um, but even when we haven't, we have seen this wide receiver core struggle. Uh, we've seen this offensive line sort of go back and forth based on the competition they've they've gone up against. And I think they've played well against – um, some good defensive front. So, you know, if they have one setback, that's, you know, one thing. We'll see how they perform next week. Uh, but for me, it's the continual lack of production from the wide receivers. It's now becoming alarming. And it wasn't just, you know, we were, you know, many of us were pounding on Ridley for this, but it's not just him. It's it's Russell Gage. It's Alameda Zacchaeus. Uh, and honestly, I think some of it's the quality of the of the depth, but I think some of it too may be issues with the scheme and matching it up to the guys around the field. Yeah, and um, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, Falcons defense coming up. Uh, but as DW said, we have low expectations for that unit. But one player who has exceeded expectations has been AJ Terrell, um, and we'll get into that as we continue today's Locked On Falcons. And we'll also be talking about the potential of the Falcons making a trade at this year's trade deadline, which is, of course, Tuesday, November 2nd, as many of you are listening to today's episode. We already got one blockbuster trade happening on Monday with the Broncos sending Von Miller to the Los Angeles Rams, which personally makes me very happy and hopefully will also make me very rich come February because uh, of my preseason Super Bowl bet on the Rams. Uh, but in order to get the lowdown on that move, as well as any potential others, uh, on Tuesday, November 2nd, this year's trade deadline, uh, the Locked On NFL YouTube channel will have a live show breaking down the trade deadline from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern time. And you will also get a preview of the second half 
of the NFL season. Uh, and again, don't miss that by subscribing to Locked On NFL on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. So in life, we are bound for different things with beachbound.com vacations. You can be bound for adventure, bound for passion, bound for discovery, or bound for togetherness, bound for immersion, bound for rejuvenation, or you may be bound for encountering the unexpected. Personally, when I'm at a beach resort, I'm going to wine and dine myself, whether that be poolside or in the sands, listening to the crash of the waves. As long as I've got a good view and a good drink in my hand, I'll be happy as a clam. So head over to beachbound.com and you can find the perfect beach vacation for you. No matter what you're looking for, what are you bound for? Just visit beachbound.com today. So DW, uh, as you mentioned, you know, we have low expectations for the Falcons defense on Sunday. The run defense was atrocious. They have no pass rush. As you mentioned, the revolving door in terms of injuries and other issues going on in the secondary has made that unit reap very few positive results this season. So instead of talking about all the things that are wrong with the Falcons defense, which spoiler alert is everything. Uh, I wanted to talk about one of the bright spots for the Falcons defense this year. And it's been AJ Terrell's emergence as one of the better cornerbacks in the year. Now uh, in the league going now into year two, uh, currently pro football focus has him graded out as the seventh best cornerback in the NFL with the fourth highest coverage grade. Uh, I'm curious. What are your thoughts on AJ Terrell, uh, his performance so far this year? What were your expectations for AJ Terrell? Not only this year, but when we drafted him, cause I know he was not a particularly popular uh, pick at the time. Yeah. The, his popularity as a pickup, I felt, was overstated. People were pointing to the one bad game he had in college football uh, and ignoring sort of the rest of his resume, which was still very strong. My own personal expectations were um, I thought he was going to take a step forward. I thought he was going to be a good cornerback. I didn't think he was necessarily going to be a top five or a top ten corner. Uh, I think he has played a lot better than than anyone had any right to expect of him especially in the defense where, as we talked about, they're not, they're not getting a pass rush. Um, and, you know, that pass rush often can protect these corners from having to be in coverage for four or five, six seconds at a time. And uh, even with that, Terrell, I think, is just playing exceptional. Uh, I think PFF had something last week where he was one of the only corners in the league. Uh, he was the only corner in the league that had not allowed a reception in man-to-man coverage. Now, I think that may have changed after this week. Um, but I think he allowed all of two or three receptions. And I think the net total was like minus one yards uh, in this game. Uh, and again, it's the Panthers. So I'm going to you know, uh, blunt the enthusiasm a little bit. But he has been, uh, in my mind, uh, one of our best recent draft picks. I think he is a, a, a building block for this defense going forward. Uh, and this is just year two. Uh, I would argue most corners – really don't take off until year three or, or later. And the fact that we're seeing this level, this, this much of a jump from way, from year one to year two uh, is, is exciting. And I'm, I can't wait to see what he does over the long term. Yeah. I believe looking at the, the PFF data that they still do not have him giving up a, a, a reception in man coverage so far. This year, so. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, AJ Terrell's been outstanding. Uh, much to probably to the chagrin of Fabian Moreau because he's <laughs> he's basically getting, you know, all the targets basically, uh, uh, and and that's led to some ups and downs. But I think Fabian Moreau, considering that he's basically been you know put under a lot more scrutiny and pressure because of that, has 
held his own reasonably well. Again, it's part of the expectations. You're not, you're not expecting Fabian Moreau, uh, given where he has been in his NFL career to be sort of the top number two corner in the league, but he's, he's done a, a serviceable job. And I, I think deserves at least part of the time, certainly a degree of praise when he's basically not pulling a Robert Alford and, and getting flagged uh, every other snap. But um, yeah, I, I think AJ Terrell's certainly been one of the, the bright spots uh, for this defense moving forward and certainly a building block piece uh, based off of his performance so far this year. And we saw flashes of that last year. We saw ups, we saw downs from him as a rookie and it seems like he's smoothed out all the downs uh, so far this year. And we're just seeing nothing but ups for him. Um, but with that being said, let's move on to the last topic of the day. And, and that's talking about, sort of the topic of the day as many people are listening to this on Tuesday with the NFL trade deadline, which is usually not particularly active, but we've seen over the years that teams are a little bit more willing to make moves. We've heard a lot more buzz about the Falcons the last couple of years, given some of their lack of success being sellers at the trade deadline. They haven't necessarily pulled the trigger much to the chagrin of many fans over the years. Uh, I'm curious what are your thoughts on this year's team, whether Terry and them are going to pull the trigger on a trade? Do you think the Falcons will make a trade? Do you think the Falcons should make a trade at the deadline? Well, if they make a trade, I think they're sellers. Um, if we take Fontenot at his word, and he, he when he came in, he said he was a big believer uh, in following the model of Ozzie Newsom. Um, that means you value your draft picks. And uh, for a team that honestly – yeah, let's let's be blunt. The Falcons, even if they somehow got into the playoffs, it, it's they're on the outside looking in. the The top teams, you know, you mentioned one of them in the Rams. Uh, obviously, the Buccaneers, uh, who lost yesterday to the Saints, who could be you know one of those teams uh, in the wild card. Uh, Green Bay. I don't see the Falcons competing with any of these teams. And in that mind, uh, the, that means you're looking towards the future. I there's no way I would trade draft capital draft capital right now to try to improve this team for me it's the long term now if you could net some draft picks by unloading a guy like Hayden Hurst who has not produced in this offense um, I think you might consider that uh, you know if, if there's a guy for instance like oh god I don't even know if someone would want to trade for a Duran Harmon or a Eric Harris where you've got him on the one-year deal uh, I, honestly I don't I don't see a lot of players that another team is just salivating over that the Falcons need to let go of. Uh, you know, they might want to get Terrell, but Terrell for me is a building block uh, and not someone you're going to farm off. So I don't think any trades are going to happen for the Falcons. I, I don't think they're going to be active in this. I think they'll take phone calls, but uh, I think right now for them, they want to stockpile as many picks as possible and uh, trading them this year to try to make yourself more competitive just doesn't make any sense. I, I I agree with you there. Um, we'll see if someone comes calling for Hayden Hurst. He's been the guy that's been most mentioned as a potential trading uh, piece. You know, I've heard some people throw Mike Davis's name out there, uh, particularly mm -hmm. now with the injury to Derrick Henry and, and some teams having some issues at the running back position, maybe looking for a body there. So we'll see what happens. As as you say, I I would be skeptical of the idea. I would bet against the Falcons making a trade, but you never know. It, you could. You know, it could be a Deron Harmon for some backup special teams 
tight end, <laughs> I, I guess you, cause you know, Arthur Smith wants a tight end. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but, uh, not expecting much, but DW, I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, let the people know, uh, where they can find your stuff and, and what you got coming down the pipe. Yeah. Um, Falcoholic Podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, all the normal platforms. Uh, we've got our regular series over at thefalcoholic.com. And, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW, where uh, if you come after me with bad Calvin Ridley takes, you're probably going to get blocked as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, no, Calvin Ridley's not getting traded. That's just not <laughs> something – yeah, 100% not. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll eat my hat if that happens. Yeah, yeah. And I'll come on Locked on Falcons to do it. Okay. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do a special pod uh, tomorrow. Uh, so, guys, uh, that will do it for us. Uh, again, check out the Trade Deadline Show live on Locked on NFL's YouTube page from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. And also make sure you check out the Peacock and Williamson podcast, uh, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, one of the national shows where NFL analysts Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson are giving you the lowdown on all the big things going on around the rest of the league, since there's not a whole lot going on with the Falcons. Uh, but uh, get the skinny on the Von Miller trade with Brian and Matt. Uh, and of course, Peacock and Williamson is free and available on all podcast platforms, including Apple Odyssey, Google and Spotify, just like the Lockdown Falcons page uh, podcast. And you can find us on the Lockdown Falcons YouTube page. And tomorrow's episode will be an all 22 review where we will get into the film of this week eight matchup. And of course that's an opportunity for you guys to send in any questions that you may have, uh, which of course you can hit me up on Twitter at lockdown Falcons on Facebook at lockdown Falcons, uh, or you can send an email to lockdown Falcons at mail.com. And of course you can leave a comment right below here on the lockdown Falcons, uh, YouTube page on this video as well. So guys, I appreciate you for joining us. I appreciate DW for joining me on today's episode and, and talking about, uh, the, the Atlanta Falcons and how miserable they all make us. Uh, so appreciate it guys until then.